0: I'm the last one, I believe, in the assembly uh, to give my testimony among the brethren here. Uh, Do it a little bit different than I have. I would like to turn to a verse of scripture, a couple of verses in John chapter 10. It don't pertain directly to my conversion, but they are very precious. They are precious certainly to everyone who is saved by the grace of God. They became much more precious to me than they ever were when I wasn't saved. I knew these words, I knew these passages, I had heard them many times before. I believed them in my head, but I wasn't saved. Uh, John chapter 10, I'm just going to skip through a few verses. I could read the whole chapter, it's worth reading, but I won't. John chapter 10, and the Lord Jesus is speaking. He's telling them uh, by illustration who he is. And, and uh, well, I'll just read it. Uh, verse 7 Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, which means truly, truly. In uh, some translations, it's Amen, Amen. I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Okay, he's the door. That's a figure that he gives. Then in verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. In other words, he's calling us his sheep, and he's the door. If we had the chart that shows the two roads and the two destinies, we would see that on the broad road which leads to hell, there's a door and it goes off in another direction. So he's the door. And then in verse 11, this is very precious to everyone who is truly saved by the grace of God. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Now, if we were to turn to the Old Testament, David, he was a shepherd. We call him a shepherd boy. I think he was a pretty big boy. Uh, We could go into a lot of the details of that. But he would risk his life for the sheep. Well, the Lord Jesus did more than risk his life for the sheep, he died. He gave his life the sheep I am the good shepherd the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep that word giveth means in modern English he gives his life for the sheep then in verse 14 I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine and then verse verse 17 therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again he's talking about resurrection he would lay down his life he would rise again now in verse 27 my sheep hear my voice and we could translate that listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And then in verse 20, I and my Father are one. Now that's sort of an introduction to the precious truth of the gospel. Now, I'm going to do something else that I don't usually, I haven't been doing when I give my testimony. I'm going to read a verse of scripture that has to do with the the final moment when I was saved. And it's in John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 37. It's a familiar verse too. And it's the second half of this verse. It was the only part that I remembered at the time. Anyhow, it reads this way. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And then, and him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Now, you won't know why this is so important in my testimony until I get to it. But he, he's telling us that the one that will come to him, I will in no wise, I will never under any circumstances cast him out. Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Now, (laughs) I I could read more scriptures, but I would like to instead just go through it a little more quickly than that, instead of turning to every verse. I I was looking over the the write-up of my testimony that I did some few years ago, and I thought maybe I would look that over and see what might be something I want to emphasize, and I wasn't going to read it, but I looked it over and I decided I'm, I am going to read it. I'll read it the way I wrote it. And I titled it My Conversion to Christ. Not converted to a church, not converted to a group, not converted to a doctrine, my conversion to Christ. My family has been influenced strongly by Christian teaching. My paternal grandmother's diary, written about 1900, has a markedly spiritual tone. My grandfather lived a careful, consistent Christian life. There were German Methodist ministers in my mother's lineage, yet all these good influences do not guarantee salvation for me. My childhood memories go back to uh, mid-World War II after which our family was resettled in Miami, Florida. My father resumed his business in concrete and masonry contracting without even a telephone due to a wartime shortage. My mother went to a church that was not faithful to the gospel. And there's a lot of them even more today than there were then. And we children were taken to Sunday school. A year later, my mother heard the gospel and was converted to Christ. And by the way, last week we were hearing a testimony that began with his father's testimony. Well, this is my mother's testimony a little bit. And her testimony because I was aware of things about the change in her life that became a part of my testimony because it was a testimony to me. Okay, Um, my mother heard the gospel and was converted to Christ. Daniel Iverson was the minister at Shenandoah Presbyterian Church, which he had planted in 1924 and which attests to his faithfulness to the biblical gospel. Although I was very young, I can remember the things my mother said. They are typical of one who has come to know the Lord and wants to live to please Him and has confidence in the scriptures. She influenced me much more than she realized. I intended someday to follow her faith, studying my Bible and living a consistent Christian life. Second Timothy 3.15 says, From a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. I believed what I was taught, yet I was not saved. Empty belief is not faith in Christ. 2 Timothy 1 verse 5, uh, it's a, a partial quote, uh, the unfeigned faith that is in thee, the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, unfeigned, not, not, not pretend, faith that is in thee, in you, Timothy, which dwelt first in thy mother Lois, and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also it did not apply to me because I wasn't really saved. By the grace of God, it came to apply years later. I memorized passages such as John 3.16. We have it on the wall over here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In Acts 16.31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. In fact, when I did get saved, I almost felt that because of my misinterpretation of those verses of Scripture, there were the truth of God, and yet I, I got the wrong idea. I thought belief was just knowing the truth in my head, that that was salvation. And I kind of shied away from those verses for a while after that. But they're true. It's just that Got to understand what it is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 8 and 9. And uh, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus 3 verse 5, and so on. There's so many others too. I partly misunderstood these passages because salvation is from God and not man. I thought that simply believing the facts, the facts of the gospel, I confused that with saving faith, true salvation. Got it wrong. As if this head knowledge was the new birth, John 3, and we sang about it. Except a man be born again, born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. Not just head knowledge of the gospel, but being born again. <clears throat> now, I became a religious little boy without being saved, not truly a Christian. I do not know when the Spirit of God first began dealing with my mind and heart, but by the age of 13, there was the tug of the world pulling one way and the things of God pulling the other way. I was leaning toward the world, trying to be a Christian and have the world too. And if I paraphrase my thinking, I would be like my mother later. By the way, I I should mention this. Because my testimony is one of missing Christ, knowing the gospel, but missing Christ. And I do not want to get, give doubts to young, young people that are truly saved because I, I realized that this could happen. And I don't want to shake the faith, the true faith of those who are saved even in a very early age. So I hope that doesn't happen. But there is the possibility of a person being like me, missing it, and we'll go on. Dr. Iverson retired and was replaced by J. Wade Fulton, a good expositor of the Word of God. I remember more of the scripture passages he read and ministered on than the comments he made. And I, I think the ideal expositor causes us to remember the scriptures and their meaning rather than his own views. The scriptures that Dr. Fulton took up were used by the Spirit of God as he began to awaken me to my true condition as a sinner and as one who was not really saved. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 23, I could read that, but I, I don't think I will. and won't take the time. The Lord Jesus warns about counterfeit Christianity. And he says in that passage, "...by their fruits..." He shall know them. And then he, he goes on to say, Many will say unto me in that day, and that is one of the most solemn passages that I know of in the Word of God. In a coming day, in the judgment of God, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, done many wonderful works? And then I will declare unto them, I never knew you, depart from me. So on. That's terrible. for that to happen to anyone. It would have happened to me if the Lord hadn't intervened. And then, uh, these religious people missed Christ, and will hear those awful words, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Works and fruit do not save, but they are the evidence of salvation. In other words, if a person... Professes to be saved and his life does not at all show the evidence of it. It's evidence that he's, he has missed Christ. He's not saved. Anyhow, works uh, they are evidence of salvation. This made me wonder if there was more to being a Christian than what I had. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 describes one who is saved a new life Radical changes. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 to 8. uh, Those verses teach that the absence of the chastening of the Lord, because we do need chastening. We're like children, and we do wrong. And every parent chastens the children when when they do wrong. And the Lord, our spiritual Father, He chastens us too. And that goes on throughout our life. And then he warns, "If you, if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you're not leg- legitimately the children of God." That's a solemn passage. I knew that back when I was growing up too. I just it went right over my head, though. It uh, tells us to examine our ourselves, whether we be in the faith and uh, I was I was getting mixed up between Hebrews and 2 Corinthians chapter 13 but there it, in 2 Corinthians it tells us to examine ourselves whether we be in the faith. And that's a hard job to do too. You know uh, without the Spirit of God it doesn't seem to help. Anyhow, uh, I spent quite a few somber Sunday afternoons contemplating what I heard, read, and preached on, and passages of scripture that I knew full well, they were there. Thinking about these passages, uh, but no no one challenged my empty profession all those years. Then, in September of 1959... I went from Miami to Pittsburgh and I went to uh, Carnegie Tech um, to go to college there studying engineering and there was a man who was a professor in the mechanical engineering department and all of the engineering students took a course that he taught engineering, uh, engineering drawing and descriptive geometry. This man's name was Minor Hawk, and he was a professor there, he's also a radio preacher. The first day of class, when most professors would just take the role, and uh, sometimes they'd dismiss us, different things like that, but uh, Minor Minor Hawk took the role and find out who's going to be there in the class, uh, who's going to drop the course, or Whatever and then he preached the gospel now I didn't know anything about this man before but after, when he was finished I knew that everything that that man said was absolutely the truth of God there was no question in my mind I knew he was a Christian and I thought I'd like to meet him sometime more personally so anyhow uh, I met Miner personally in December. I had gotten the flu or something, and I had to make up some work, so I went into his office to get the work assignment. That took about two minutes, and then he started questioning me. And I'm glad he did. I'm thankful that the Lord had that happen. He, uh, he asked me questions like, are you saved? I gave what we would call the correct answer. Yes, I'm saved. You're really born again? Yes. When were you born again? Well, when I was a child. Well, in fact, I didn't know. Uh, I thought maybe he's even at the age of five or something like that. And then he asked me about the person of Christ, and uh, I could give some kind of an answer, new enough to answer the question, the work of Christ, these things on a superficial level I could answer the question. And then he asked me if I had a time when I realized that I was a guilty sinner going to hell. And I said I told him that if I were not saved I know that my sins would take me to hell. I knew that. As he pressed the question of definite conversion experience I kept answering with my belief of biblical truth. He finally stated that for all my learning of the scriptures, that I had only a head knowledge of the gospel and that I was not saved. The challenge that he brought confirmed all my doubts. This illustrated by an incident that happened shortly before I was saved, it shows a comparison of what I believed then and now. It was a dormitory discussion with a Roman Catholic student and a Jew, Jewish student. The Jew was not religious, but had a vague belief that living a good life on earth would take him, take care of him in the hereafter. That's kind of the way he put it. It, it, We live a decent life on the earth and that'll take care of us in the hereafter. The Roman Catholic spoke of kneeling in prayer before a crucifix and he made the point that he wanted a crucifix on the wall that showed painted red blood coming down and that would put him in a a mood to to pray. So uh, he he mentioned uh, other religious acts as well that would supposedly get him into heaven. I said that I could never do anything good enough to please God, and that except for the grace and mercy of God, my sins would take me to hell, that the death of Christ on the cross was my only hope. Religious works had nothing to do with it. It was all of God." The Jew commented that he, if he would, would ever be a Christian, he would, be, he would want to be like the Roman Catholic and not like me. To me, this is the offense of the gospel. It's unpalatable to the natural mind. It is ironic that I was not saved any more than those other two, even though I had the truth in my head. In April of 1960, four months after meeting Minor Hawk, I was deeply convicted about my condition before God, the most important matter I would ever consider through my whole life. Was I saved for eternity or not? The details of emotions, degree of sincerity, and such like can be misleading and difficult to express and interpret. I wanted to be sure I would be safe from going to hell, but I was in complete dead earnest only minutes before I was saved. The night I got saved, it was quite late after much homework, in bed, tired but not sleepy. I was thinking about eternal matters and my condition before God. I felt very much alone. In fact, I felt abandoned, like forsaken by God. It was very dark spiritually, seems to me. I now understand that God was there sweeping away from me all my tidy little logical thoughts and getting down to the business of converting me to Christ. Thinking about all of God's warnings, which I had not heeded, including my mother's life and testimony, I wondered if God had given me up and forsaken me and that I would go into eternity in my sins to spend eternity in hell. Instead, God was bringing me to repentance. I was not considering just how sinful I was in all the dimensions of my life. My mind was on the guilt of knowing spiritual truth and setting it aside. These thoughts must have been from God. I was thinking that if I ever got saved, and I was not sure I ever would at that point, that God could do with me as he pleased. A surrender, I I can see it now. Uh, He can do with me as he pleases. I was willing to be a servant Not that I was capable of living a life that would please Him. I did not care if I ever got a college degree or if I lived or died. I just wanted to be saved for eternity. Although I thought that God was far away, He was right there dealing with my heart. Scripture tells us in several places that He tries our hearts. My thoughts returning to the possibility of being saved, I wondered, what the difference was between real saving faith in Christ and the head knowledge that i had how could i believe on the lord jesus christ and be saved when i already believed all about him although i was not thinking about romans 10 verse 13 it tells us that whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved i did call on the name of the lord from my heart I cried out to God to save my soul that was a silent prayer I knew God heard me because he is omniscient and hears everything, he knows all of that I didn't know if he would pay attention I had asked him to save me but did he save me? finally I remembered a part of a verse spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we read it. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. That verse took on new meaning to me. It wasn't just uh, one of the wondrous promises of God in the scriptures that we can be very familiar with without being saved. And so... I reasoned at that moment. I believe the Lord just gave me that verse. It seemed like I forget everything else. I, I, I felt so destitute for the, the truth of God. But he gave me that verse. I, that much I remembered. I reasoned that if I, that I had come to him, he had promised that he would not cast me out. So I must be saved. I simply believed what his word said. Rested the eternal welfare of my soul on what he said and knew I was saved because I really trusted him. I, how can I, I can't figure out how to do that, but I did it. I just believed what he said. There's no glory for me in that. There's no accomplishment. It's just taking God at his word, believing what he said. He wouldn't cast me out, and all those precious truths that I knew in my head, now they're mine, and I know it because he said it. Up to that moment, I had no happy feelings, but only fear and dread of facing eternal punishment. Only the moment after I realized I was saved that I have peace and joy in my soul. Then I was still lying there in bed, Verse after verse of scripture came to my mind, one after another, very orderly with assurance of salvation and the wonderful promises of God for his redeemed people. And so it's a, it's a great benefit when children learn the Word of God. I wouldn't have been able to remember all that. Now, but it's not, it's not that it was vital to my salvation, but it certainly was vital to the joy that I enjoyed at that point. So. Those verses of Scripture came before me and, and it was uh, it's a, real, uh, a, a real joy to have them. Um, assurance of salvation and the wonderful promises of God for his redeemed people. At this point I cannot recall which passages these were but they are all familiar verses of Scripture and they are still giving me joy and peace every time I am reminded of them. Scripture tells us that heaven rejoices when a sinner comes to to God by faith in Christ. It is my hope that this account may help someone else come to a saving knowledge of Christ by trusting that finished work which he accomplished on the cross as he put away our sins by the sacrifice of himself. Hebrews 9 verse 26. And then I put my name. You know that. And that is the, the write-up of uh, my conversion. Uh, I would like to sing a hymn. And uh, that, that is number, number 158. Will your anchor hold in the storm of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the storm tides lift and the cables strain Will your anchor drift or firm remain? And so on. I hope it's okay to go ahead and read, uh, to sing the whole hymn. And before we do, we'll ask the Lord's blessing.